All right, great to have everybody here this morning. Sometimes uh, on these times, there's not a lot of people in here when it comes comes to holidays, and especially a Sunday that's uh, New Year's Day. Um, interesting thing last night, you know, this is a New Year's Eve that ha- it falls on a Saturday night, so usually they're pretty ruckus, but even last night was even more than normal. I don't know if anybody knows that people running around shooting firecrackers at the middle of the night. Um, the the name of my of my talk this morning or the sermon as an elder I I my my uh, call is to teach whereas John Hugh is called to preach and I, I like to make make that clear when I'm up here talking um, and I, I I like to keep that very very sound different but we always want to do something to protect the pulpit here to be sure that the message from here is clear. Uh, scriptural, and, and means something. So what I'm going to talk about today is, is a thing that I call New Year, New Life. So I was driving down Lakeland the other day, coming from River Oaks to St. Dominic's Hospital, and on the sign is this, they have these ones that change, that, that flash up there, and all of a sudden it says, New Year, New Life. Of course, if you're driving at 50, 55 miles an hour down Lakeland, which is the speed limit, and those things are flashing, you never see exactly what they're advertising. But I looked at that and I was like, wow, what does that mean? What does that mean? Uh, A lot of us make New Year's resolutions at this time. Um, Who who in here made a New Year's resolution? All right, it's okay to raise your hand. This This is an informal sort of thing. So, few hands. It's, it turns out that about a third of people make New Year's resolutions, and about two-thirds do not. Um, who thinks that's biblical, to make a New Year's resolution? It's not a trick question now. Not a trick. Do you think it is, or you think it's, who thinks it's not? Okay? So, a few hands go up. So, that's always been a controversy over the years. It, for me, personally, that is not an issue one way or the other, but I think it should be. So, let's turn to Scripture. What does God say about that? Let's look at the first Scripture. Okay, so Second Thessalonians. To this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of His calling and may f- fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by His power so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So there's a little glimpse into, into what, what we're talking about. Okay, So one of the things we have to make real clear when we make resolutions or we make anything in our life going ahead, what's the purpose behind doing that? Okay, And one of the things we want to be sure about that we do when we make resolutions is we want to always walk by faith, okay? And so I'll make that a little more clear here in just a second, okay? We want a way that's worthy of God's calling in our life, okay? Um, We want to do anything where we rely on God's power and not our own power. So let's go to the next verse. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Y'all don't have to look at this. I'm going to kind of go through them really quick, and then we'll, we'll 
look a little closer at another passage. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, then, now has come. Behold, is this from Isaiah? Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And then Jeremiah. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Now that's a very common one you see on the necklaces, right? It's one that I see all the time. Cassie has one. I have one. Say, new hope. So now we're beginning to see this thing that, that God, if we have resolutions, God is going to fulfill those for us. Okay? So we're beginning to see that maybe that is okay scripturally. One more. This is from our reading from uh, day before yesterday, Revelations 21.5. And he who is seated at the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these are words, these words are trustworthy and true. Okay, so now let, let's draw a little bit of a what I call a scenario here as far as like what makes it biblical and what doesn't. Okay. Um just we're not a huge group. We can stay a little bit informal. What, what are uh, some of the resolutions that people make? Lose weight. Exercise. Be nice to people. Be what? Be more organized. Okay. So those are all, I didn't hear, well, try to make church more often. Get here in the seat. Sorry. That's because you're here. That's a good one. That's a good one. All right. So those are, those are what we call resolutions. Okay? So we point out something that we don't like in our life, for lack of a better word, whether it's weight, whether it's being disorganized, whatever. We point that out and say, this is something I think I need to change about myself. Okay? And then what we, do, what we do then, we put together some kind of plan where it's watch what I eat, hire a personal trainer, uh, try to get up at 8.30 on Sunday morning so I can make it at 10.30, whatever, okay? That's a plan. And then we look at the outcome, okay? Of the people who said they made a New Year's resolution, how many have already broken their New Year's resolution already? <laughs> Not quite noon, but, you know, you, you've had about 12 hours already. And that's common. And that's because we lack the, um, it's two things, I, I think, from, from the way I look at it. If you can maintain those resolutions and do the thing you said and say, look what I did, what is that called? It's called pride. What happens if you say, Golly, I can't keep my new resolution. I'm a terrible person. I can't do it. What is that called? It's called guilt, right? Okay. But the whole thing behind that is I'm going to do this 
I've got this problem, I'm going to do this, and this is how I did, either good or bad. What's missing from that? God, right? So if we look at New Year's resolutions as maybe a little different, okay? So you identify a problem. Let's just take exercise. You say, I, I, I have this. I don't feel like I'm in the shape I should be. I need some help, and I need to exercise, okay? If you turn it into prayer, then, to where you say, Lord, I need for you to help me with this particular issue. doesn't matter what it is. Say, you know, if you want to send me a personal trainer, Ashley, where are you? Um, You know, introduce me to that person in church, in my community, Send that person to me. Help me fulfill the things I need to do. To do what? To glorify you, Lord. There you are right there. To glorify you, Lord. Okay? That becomes, instead of all about I, 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 it becomes about what I need to do, what God has to to fulfill for me or, or that I can ask. And clearly it says in our scripture that we can ask the Lord and he will fulfill that. And then the outcome, okay? So part of the thing we're going to talk about here in a minute is how you get from point A to point C, from, from identifying a problem to do it. And this works for uh, not only our New, Re- New Year's resolutions, but what about sin in our lives? Same thing. It doesn't matter um, if you're starting out the new year who, who thinks 2016 was a great year? No problems, really good, no worse than 2015. Who, who thinks that it was a rough year? Politics, business, health care, all those kind of things. So what we're talking about is how to move forward from here. What does God say about the past? He doesn't rely on on things you've done in the past or things that have happened to you. Move on with your life and and come to Jesus with those things and forgiveness, okay? So the difference is, with the first one, New Year's resolutions, it's self-reliance. And the next one is reliance on God. Is that clear to everybody? So that's... I, I think that if you make New Year's resolutions and you frame them in that fashion, I think they're totally biblical. And somebody may disagree with me and that you feel free to make your point afterwards. If you want to stand up and make your point from where you are, I'd, I'd be happy to entertain that as well. Okay. So now let's uh, go to the scripture for today. It's from Philippians 4, 1 through 13. So y'all can go ahead and... Uh, I'm going to turn to that. It says, Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Yodia and entreat Sintish to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together, with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. 
Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. It's a famous line coming up, right? Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is holy, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that, that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You have indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance, and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So just the big overall picture, you can begin to see how this, going into a new year, just this passage may be helpful to us. And we'll break it down a little bit further. Where, where was Paul in this situation when he's, when he's writing this? He is in prison, in a Roman prison, they think. Not, not for sure. But he's in there, and he is chained up, imprisoned, and this is what he's writing. Okay? So it's a very strong message of hope from somebody who's imprisoned. Okay? So let's, let's go back to verse 1. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm, thus in the Lord, my beloved. So the key there is he says, stand firm, okay? So the stand firm, the meaning behind that, and through most of Scripture where they talk about stand firm, we're not talking about, I got a problem with Hunter. I'm standing firm on my ground, and I'm not adjusting what I said. He has to change. We're not talking about that, okay? The stand firm here is like a guard at the door or guard of your of your neighborhood or your house, that no matter what happens, what comes at that person, they may bend a little bit, but they're not going to turn and run. That's where the stand firm comes from. So if you're looking at New Year's resolution and you want to say, I'm going to exercise more, okay? So let's come, like for me, I worked 12 hours yesterday. Cassie and I wanted to go to a New Year's dinner. She's kind of bored at home and wants to do something. And I'm like, I'm so tired. I just want to go home and just lay down and do nothing. So you have to bend just a little bit to stand firm in your commitment to your spouse or to the fact that we want to do something. Exercise, same way. You're busy, busy, busy. And you don't have time to go to the gym or go hang out with Ashley and do the personal trainer thing. 
What you do then is say, okay, as soon as I get home, I know I'm tired, but I'm going to go walk for 30 minutes around the neighborhood. Does that make sense? So same thing in your spiritual journey, okay? I didn't get to do my uh, reading to kind of keep us up. You know, we're all trying to move together as a church to stay on the same page as, as far as our reading, and they're back there on the table as you go out, you know, to catch up, man, I just couldn't do it today. I didn't get up early enough. I got home too late, whatever. Let's take, you know, it takes about five minutes, but let's say let's take 30 on Saturday morning to sit down and read it all. It takes that standing guard on your life to be able to do that, and that's what it means by stand firm in this passage, okay? So let's go to verse 2 where it says, uh, the two women, right? So what does it say about the two women in this passage? A couple of things. One of them's name, it, one of them's name is for uh, blessings, and the other one is for a sweet smell, okay? I think that blessings is right. Um, so here's two women that have very pleasant sort of names, so when they, you know, let's get Sweet Smell to stand up and tell us what she thinks, okay? The other thing it says in this passage is that both of these women's name is written in the book of life, which means what? That they're Christians, right? It also says that they are at odds with one another over something, okay? So one of the things that Paul says in here, he doesn't, he doesn't identify why these two women were at odds to each other. Probably very uh, influential, very outspoken, very respected women. But he doesn't speak out and say, what's, what's the cause of the problem? What does he say about them? Is that they need to agree because they're both in Christ. Okay? So, as far as New Year's resolutions, where does that come in? How about relationships with other people? in the church, in your office, wherever. That rather than, you know, if you try to ever get to the problem of why you became crossways with somebody, he did something to me, so I'm doing this, and I'm not doing this, or whatever, you're never, that's never going to resolve the issue. At some point, you have to be able to agree and move on with where you are, okay? So if your resolution is, I want to restore relationships then this, this is a good passage for how to do that, okay? So, let's move on to the next one. It says, rejoice in the... It's verse 4. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice, okay? So, this is a guy who's in prison, shackled. We always want to start rejoicing. We always want to start at that point rather than me, oh, my, oh, I had this happen to me in my life this past year. I can't get past it. My life is over. He, on the other hand, says to always start out with rejoice, okay? So just as an aside, as a piece of, like, thing you can do at home, is rather than start out, these are the problems from 2016, I want to make a resolution to fix. Let's start out the other way. 
these are the things that happened to me in 2016 that I am overjoyed about. Okay? Anybody want to give an example of something they're overjoyed about that happened to them in the last year? Dobby, you're not going to volunteer? Anybody going to volunteer? So what's happened? An engagement. There we go. Awesome. So anybody that says praying for single women in our church to find their, their mate or their way in life, whether it be continued singleness by Paul, he says that's good, or to move on to engagement to get married, that's great also. Either way, but see, those are the blessings we start out. Like, she's not going to say, well, that almost didn't work out because back in the summer he did whatever. See the difference? Always start out at that point moving forward. Okay? So then next, let's talk about a gentle spirit. And this, for me, resolutions, this is the hardest one for me. Because I'm not, I think it's hard to be a surgeon if, you're, don't, if you have a gentle spirit. Um, works out probably better for Rebecca and family medicine to have a gentle spirit. But oftentimes... Uh, not in surgery, but this is one, as an elder, you're called to be gentle. This is a hard one for me, okay? Let your reasonableness, reasonable, God, I'm having so much trouble with that word, reasonableness be known to everyone, okay? So I want to resolve to be a more of a gentle spirit, okay? When I, I look at things around in this congregation right here, there are people that I certainly would like to emulate as far as gentleness. And your wives may disagree, but as I see, I see Dobby right there. Man, he, he is a gentle spirit. When you're, when you're talking to him, it's nothing but blessings upon your life. Um... You know, I'm sorry this happened to you. What can I do to make it better? When I think of gentleness among my, my male compadres that I think I should be closer to, so I'm not going to say I could be like him. No matter what I have to do to make it happen, I can do that. There's a difference saying, Lord, help me get that gentleness so that it's not important, it's how, how you, what's in your mind and how you're perceived. Because to the glory of God, you have to be perceived as being gentle. Okay? Also, earnest back there. Same sort of thing. These are men that I meet with back here every Tuesday morning. Okay? I'm sorry, Jill, if you disagree with gentleness, but I, I, that's what I see. Um, and there's lots of other of y'all that, that I see that in. You know, most of my, uh, my people that that I meet with on, in the mornings, on Tuesday morning for Bible study, is the men, because that's a men's Bible study. But I see that among other people in the congregation. So this is, that's what he's talking about. Not only that you, um, that you are gentle or working towards that, but that you display that to your community as a whole so that it's to God's glory. Make sense? All right. So now here's the big one. A lot of trouble with, the, with this next passage, which is uh, verse 6. <clears throat> the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, 
with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. Okay? So, there's a couple of things about that. We have to start out with prayer. And so our series that's coming up is a good place to start on learning how to do that. So somebody's New Year's resolution ought to be, Lord, I need to pray more. I've got to find the time to do that. It's more like, Lord, put it on my heart as to what things that I can pray for. Because one of the hardest things about praying is actually just sitting down and not getting distracted and, and knowing what to pray for. Okay? So, first thing I get up, get ready to leave the house to come up here this morning, my wife says, Dear, I prayed for you already, what you're going to talk about today. Man, there is no better way to start your day, especially when you're standing here, than that. Okay? And then I go over, find a quiet place in the White House to sit down and pray before I come in here. Um... The, when we have the, the time of communion and also on Wednesday afternoon when we sit and meet, I like to pray for people specifically, whether it's at that altar or in the room over there when we're meeting as elders, specifically pray. But you have to start somewhere. And my best suggestion is you start with a prayer that says, Lord, help me learn how to pray, help me Present the things to me that I can pray for, and then kind of go from there. If you need to, to there's plenty of books that, that give, you know, a little formula. Cassie always wants, like, I want a formula for this. And there are books that are out there for there. But I would suggest if you're going to make a resolution, you start out with praying to help me pray. Does that make sense? And then it says also to pray with thanksgiving. Like, thank you, Lord, for all the stuff. I mean, there are some, there are some praises that I see every day related to tragedy in this community that, man, I just want to give thanksgiving for that. Okay? But when we sit down in here and pray, we ought to expect something to happen. Not all our prayers are going to be answered. You know, the famous song, Unanswered Prayers, you know? You see that every once in a while. Thank God you didn't answer that prayer. But, you know, God is going to answer your prayer in time, whatever season for you, okay? There are things in our community, in our world, that are called laws, okay? If you break a law, what happens to you? You get punished, correctly? It's the same thing in our spiritual life. If you break one of God's laws, and there's a big list of ten commandments... There's also a smaller list called the seven deadly sins, okay, from Proverbs. If you break those, what's potentially going to happen to you? Does God punish? He, um, I think that's, a, that's always a hard one under Old Testament by, and New Testament. Clearly, he punished you or punished people under the Old Testament I think he sent somebody to take our punishment in the New Testament, correct? So if somebody says, God punished me for this sin or whatever, I think there's somebody else that he punishes. You just have to ask for him to punish that person, okay? Or that he already did it, but ask that person for your forgiveness from whatever you did. Um, 
So I think that's, that's been replaced. But in general, laws and God's laws are to put us in a, a track, okay? To where we stay in that track with one ultimate goal at the end, which is the kingdom of heaven. We have this beautiful thing right outside of town here that runs all the way from Nashville to all the way to Natchez. What is that called? Natchez Trace. What does the word trace mean? It means path. Okay? The Natchez Trace is a natural pathway that came from basically the Cumberland Valley down to Mississippi. So it's originally a trail... There used to be bison all over the place before they all got killed off in those big giant piles of bison hides. All over here, all over Texas, the landscape was much different. The bison used to travel that route for the minerals up in Cumberland down to the good grazing lands up here. Okay? So where that pathway is, moving back and forth became a natural pathway. There's not a lot of hills. Animals can move. So it's a natural sort of pathway. Not just set by man, it was set by the beauty of God well before man ever came here, okay? And as man started traveling on that, it became a footpath, and then it became a path for wagons to move goods from up in the, up the Nashville down to uh, the Mississippi River to connect to New Orleans. It also was a number one path for people that were going to Texas. They would come down the Natchez Trace, cross over the river, and, and go to Texas. David Crockett, one of those people, right along the trail. If you look at the Natchez Trace, <clears throat> there's a place right outside of, here, outside of town that's called the Old Trace. So the new trace runs paved right next to it, and then there's a place where you can walking trail you can get off and walk on it. What you'll see is two deep ruts that run the width of a wagon through the woods right there. So, meaning, if you can stay in those tra- in the trace, in the path, if you started out in Nashville back in the old days, you could sit back, and if you're a good wagon driver, you could just snap your, your team, and as long as they straight, stayed in the trace, you would go straight forward all the way to Natchez. It's a good thing for our good good analogy for our spiritual life. If you try to stay in the trace, it doesn't matter if you slow down, like you haven't read for a week or hadn't been to church for a couple weeks. As long as you stay in that, it doesn't matter how slow or how fast, ultimately you're going to end up with your goal at the end. Okay? Same thing applies. Let's say if I had a ladder here. Good works. To get to heaven, I got this ladder. I did this really good thing this year. Take the first rung. Second one, I did this really good thing. And people get the idea from works that they're headed to heaven by climbing this ladder of good works. How is it really that we get to heaven? You should turn that ladder on its side and use it as a trace that as long as you continue on that spiritual path, getting to know Christ and His ways and becoming more like Christ... That's more like the way it really is, okay? And not a, not a ladder of good works that's going to put you up to heaven, okay? So, <clears throat> when we're talking about this, it's, 
it's endurance and it's things. Same thing with resolutions. It requires these steps. Okay? Let's move on. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What have you learned and received and heard and seen in me? Practice these things. So what this is talking about is having a kind of a holy sort of reverence towards life. So I I think if you're listening to, this is the thing that kind of makes me crazy, but and and as I moved down that pathway, you know, I used, used to listen to rock and roll music. Then I moved to country. And now I'm listening to Christian music. Because I don't know if you notice in here, I, I don't even really have to get up here and say anything. Everything that I'm saying has already been said by, Ty, by Tyler and Tracy and Josh this morning. Everything is in those songs right there. And it's standing right here, which I normally sit in the back because I'm, I'm, uh, I'm standing firm back there guarding the door. But um, as I stand up here, the thing that's most amazing to me is the, the sound I hear from the congregation. I don't hear that back there. The people singing, if you're standing right here and you got one ear turned this way, one ear turned this way, I can hear y'all equal to what I can hear from here. So I went to a Casting Crowns concert a few weeks ago, and man, in the dark... When they were belting it out, people were like, yeah, and singing and praising, arms up. I see a few arms up here. We can do more of that. We're not going to, like, get on to you if you want to put your arm up and, and praise during the worship song. It's funny how people do that at a concert in the dark, but then not so much here. But listen to Christian music. I, I, I've... I think I can tell the very first time I made this switch, and y'all may have heard me tell this story before, but when I clearly felt, you know, often in Christianity, things are like a light going on or off, okay? I was down on State Street, and I was driving in there, heavy traffic down there. There's a lady coming down State Street, wants to make it, get in the left-hand lane to turn to go to the interstate on Pearl Street down there or whatever. And... Um, I'm sorry, there was a guy coming down and a lady in front of me. And she was real slow about moving up. So she would leave a big gap like this. This guy come along, turns on his blinker, wants to get in that gap, and she would move up. She didn't see him. And then a little bit more gap would, would come, and he'd try to get in there. He's blinking and honking and all this stuff. And I was leaving a space, two car lengths, where he could have just went, in there. But instead, he's now like rolling down his window, yelling and cursing at the lady. And she has no idea that all this is going on. And I'm leaving this big gap. And it suddenly dawns on me, when you're talking about holiness, and you're not that guy with road rage and all that kind of stuff, that's where you're talking about moving your life into just situational holiness. Okay, where you're not 
going crazy. The guy that offends me most is Sunday at 12 o'clock in a restaurant, the guy that's sitting in a suit talking bad about the, the waitress and talking ugly to her. Why has that guy got a suit on Sunday morning at 12 o'clock? Because he's been where? To church. To be talking down to somebody like that who's doing their job working on a Sunday after church, that lacks holiness. That's where I'm moving here. So one of your resolutions was like, I may want to try to move more, my life more holy. And how do you do that? Same thing, pray about it. Move into that. All right, so, and it says practice these things. So that's, you, you don't want to act that way when you just come to church. You want to practice that throughout your daily life, okay? So I'm going to go to verse 11. <clears throat> Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in every, whatever situation I am to be content. So the key to happiness does not come from your surroundings. It comes from inside. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. And in every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty of hunger, abundance, and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So this is the difference in a resolution, one to the next. Okay? All right, so let's go to, um, and God will supply what you need. So let's go to Proverbs 23, 7. Oh, sorry, let's, let's go ahead and go do that. Proverbs, uh, let's, go, let's go back to 6, 16. So these are the big seven, the deadly sins. And it says, there are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are abomination to him. What, what's the worst sin? What's the worst? Huh? Pride, maybe. That's listed as one of these. It used to be, and this is not a trick question, it's, there's no right answer, but it used to be the unforgivable sin was what? Was talking against the Holy Spirit. So like, something happens big in your life and go, ah, God didn't have anything to do with that, I did it myself, right? That used to be the, the, what we call the unforgivable sin. But now in the New Testament, what's, what's the only unforgivable sin? Denying Christ, that is exactly it. That is the only unforgivable sin that exists in this day and age, in my personal opinion, and obviously yours too. So, awesome. So, but these are ones that we worry about. And so when you hear about the big seven, I won't read the whole thing, but it's lust, gluttony, greed, sloth, wrath, envy, and pride. Okay? It's the only unforgivable one. Thank you very much. All right, so let's go to last. Okay? Go to Proverbs 23. Okay. 23.7 says, For he is like one who is inwardly calculating, eating drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. Okay? So all this, basically what that says is, where you start is by looking inwardly, Christ help, Prayer, all these things, and outwardly, what's in your heart will come out. You will see people that if you hang out with them long enough, you will see what's really in their heart. No matter what they look like here or out in the office or 
hospital or wherever, what's on their heart will eventually come out. And so this is the verse that addresses that, that you have to, as far as a resolution, you have to start with what's in your heart. Make sense? Okay. So thank you for uh, tolerating me for a few minutes. And I'm going to get Tyler to come on and say a prayer for us. Dear Heavenly Father, we just uh, come to you knowing you're a great God. And we just thank you so much for the things you do in our lives. We thank you for this new year. Whether we're going to make a resolution or not, we now, uh, you've shown us the path through your scripture about how how we do that. And we come to our new series. We just uh, thank you for putting that on our heart as far as like prayer. Whether there be troubles with relationships, show us how to, uh, to deal with that, Lord. Whether it's, you know, instead of giving our side more, listen more. Whatever it might be, Lord, just uh, put that on our hearts to continue to change and move forward in your tracks that you've laid for us so, so graciously. We ask that you help us love one another, love our neighbors and our surrounding community. We just ask for protection of your country. On our, on our country as a time. It's been a rough year in politics in 2016, Lord. Just help show us your way and give us the wisdom and guidance for ourselves and our daily lives, our church, and our country to move forward. Just thank you so much for this time, Lord. And thank you for Jesus and all he means to us. In your name we pray, amen.